Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a Sideline Sleuth. We actually don't usually cover cases this far in the past, but today's story is urgent because things are unfolding currently and time is running out. Today's episode came as a suggestion from my friend Kirsten. She asked me if I was familiar with a man named Rodney Reed, a death row inmate in Texas, and I'm sorry to say that I wasn't. Since that conversation, this case has received a huge upswing in media coverage, including comments made by Dr. Phil and Kim Kardashian. Kirsten told me that he is awaiting execution for a murder that took place in 1996 and that a lot of people have been speculating that he was framed and are scared that he's going to die for a murder he may have not committed. At the time of this recording, his execution is scheduled for November 20th. Oh my gosh. Like so soon. I immediately got very interested in the story and that's why today I'm going to tell you about the 1996 murder of a young woman named Stacy Stites. So here's what we know. Stacy was supposed to work that morning at HEB, which, for those of you not from Texas or familiar with it, that's a grocery store. Her shift was at 3.30 that morning, but she didn't show up for work that day. Carol, Stacy's mother, testified in 1998 that one of Stacy's co-workers told her that she didn't show up for work, and then Carol called Jimmy, who's Stacy's fiancé, and then he went out to look for her. A search for 19-year-old Stacy Stites quickly started everywhere. The truck she had been driving, which belonged to her fiancé, was found abandoned at Bastrop High School at 5.23 in the morning. But that was before Stacy was even reported missing. Police wouldn't make the connection between the truck and Stacy until the following day. I believe the high school is about 10 miles or so from where Stacy's body was discovered. She was found around 3 p.m. by a passerby, about seven miles outside of the city limits, in a wooded area off the side of a rural county road on April 23, 1996, in Bastrop, Texas. She was partially dressed. I actually saw some crime scene photos, and I might share them on our social media pages because none of the ones I saw were particularly gruesome, so I might share the less bad ones. When Stacy was found, she had a mark around her neck that indicated she had been strangled to death with the braided belt she was wearing. Forensics detected the presence of semen, and that led investigators to believe that her death was related to a sexual assault. Yeah, for sure. Wait, I don't know. Tell me more. (laughs) Her autopsy, however, noted that there were no fresh injuries to her genitals, but she was sodomized, so that was dilated, and had what they called, quote, multiple longitudinal linear abrasions. Throughout the medical examiner's report, it is noted that her body had abrasions, scratches, bruises, and dragging marks. It also noted burns, but that I think is related to the dragging, like maybe like a kind of like a carpet burn, but it was outside. Um, So burns as well as some of the abrasions and bruises happened after she was already deceased. Mm. Some of the abrasions and bruises occurred though during the assault that claimed her life. 
vaginally, as you know, there was the presence of sperm, but not orally or anally. There was bruising to her head consistent with that of knuckles on a hand. Gosh. The official cause of death was determined to be... Fix, I can't say that word. How do you say it? Asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. I always come through with that yes. one. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. Due to ligature strangulation associated with sexual assault. Initially, eyes were on her fiancé, Jimmy Fennell, a local police officer in the town of Giddings, Texas. He was a police officer. I know. So he's not in Bastrop. No, but according to Google Maps, Giddings and Bastrop are about 26 miles apart. And for those of you not familiar with Texas geography, Bastrop is about 215 miles from where we are in Dallas and just a little more than 30 miles from Austin, which is the state's capital. Stacy and Jimmy were only days away from tying the knot when she was killed. At first, fingers were pointing at him and detectives believed he was a strong suspect. However, when DNA results came back and the sperm wasn't a match for Jimmy, the case went cold. Oh, really? I feel like because it isn't a match. Doesn't. That might make it more like him. Yeah. Like, he found out something maybe. Like, yeah. she had another partner and then And he, he was like, oh, yeah. no, I'm going to drag you. Yeah, That's so, yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't think that the sperm should have been enough to discount him as a suspect. Yeah. Nearly a year later, they got a hit, though. On April 4th, 1997, a black male from Bastrop named Rodney Reed was arrested after he came up as a match in a criminal database for the semen found in Stacy's body. He had been accused of other sexual assaults, but never convicted. And that's how they had his DNA in the system. Uh-oh. Rodney denied any involvement in Stacy's death then and now. But one thing did change. At first, he denied even knowing Stacy. But I know, when your story changes, no matter what it is, it's suspect. Yeah. But... When police told him that they had his DNA in the form of semen on her body, he came clean. He said that though he didn't have anything to do with Stacy's murder, he did know her, and the two of them were having a consensual sexual relationship. In fact, just days before her death, Rodney said the pair had sex, but that he didn't kill her. The original medical examiner said that the sperm was too recent and could not have been from days prior. Rodney said that he and Stacy kept their relationship quiet because of racial tensions in their small southern town. Well, I believe that. Yeah, Rodney is black and Stacy is white. So, yeah, that would have. Texas yeah. in the nineties. I feel like even, mm-hmm. even in some parts of Texas in two thousand nineteen, right it's, it's a little questionable. So, Rodney maintains his innocence. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of things. I feel like I don't really know if her fiance and her lived together, but he, he did. was okay. But how did he not notice that she wasn't there at three a.m. or like before three a.m. when she goes to work? I think that's weird. And she has your truck, so like it's not like you know what I mean. Yeah, you notice your truck is not there and she is not there. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, like, didn't she sleep? And then I'll the tell s- you, he has yeah. a story. <clears throat> so <Okay. laughs> in May of nineteen ninety eight, over two years after Stacy was killed. A jury in Bastrop convicted Rodney, based off of the semen DNA alone, of Stacy's murder. It's pretty strong, though. Yeah. The strong evidence. I mean, if but, like, he, he never denied that the semen was his. He had an explanation for it. Yeah. But his explanation didn't match with what the coroner was saying, right? But yeah, the medical oh. examiner said the sperm oh. was too recent. So, But there's more. Okay. So he was sentenced to death. 
The prosecution said that Rodney assaulted, raped, sodomized, and then strangled Stacy to death. But there was no other physical evidence linking Rodney to the crime. There was only the DNA match from the semen, and Rodney explained that with the consensual sexual relationship. The prosecution said that somehow Rodney must have accosted Stacy on her way to work, though no weapon was found. He forced himself into her vehicle somehow, where he raped, sodomized, and strangled her before abandoning her truck. But there was no evidence at the site Stacy was found or in Stacy's vehicle that linked Rodney to the crime. Yeah, no fingerprints, no trace nothing. DNA, nothing. And like, if she was beat because she had knuckle marks on her head, and Should his knuckles match. I don't know if that's. I don't know, a, I don't know no, if that's a thing. Um, but like, so there was. She was assaulted. She was raped. She was sodomized, and she was strangled. And there's nothing from Rodney's body anywhere. Yeah. Suspicious. He has continued to maintain that he did not kill Stacy Stites, nor did he have anything to do with her death. But if Rodney didn't kill Stacy, who did and why? And we kind of talked about that a second ago, you brought it up. There are lots of people who think that Jimmy Fennell, Stacy's fiance, is responsible, including a few people willing to say that publicly, and they've submitted signed affidavits. Wow. As recently as this past summer, in July of 2019, an insurance salesperson sent a letter to Texas Governor Greg Abbott claiming to have witnessed a conversation between the couple in which Jimmy told Stacy he would kill her if she ever cheated on him. What? What? This is what we said? Yes. So, we are basically detectives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that definitely gives Jimmy a motive, especially considering that Rodney says the two were having an affair. So did he find out? Yeah. This insurance woman said that when Stacy was filling out a form for life insurance, Jimmy said to her, quote, if I ever catch you messing around on me, I will kill you and no one will ever know that it was me. He's so bold. He did it right in front of someone else. This is the stuff we hate. This is what we talk about. The insurance lady submitted the policy receipt with her signed affidavit to substantiate her claims that she really did sell them a policy. Wow. A man named Deputy Lee Clampett also agreed to speak out as a witness. He was a colleague of Jimmy's at or around the time of Stacy's murder, and he said that Jimmy's behavior at the funeral was uncharacteristic for someone whose spouse or spouse-to-be had just died. He said that while looking at Stacy's body, Jimmy said something along the lines of, quote, you got what you deserved, end quote. Deputy Clampett said he couldn't believe it. He was completely shocked, and it's a moment he will never forget, stating, it did not strike me as something a grieving partner would say to their murdered fiance, end quote. Unless maybe you murdered her. Yeah. Both Jimmy and Rodney took polygraph. So brazen. I, At the funeral? Yeah. By a cop? Yeah. Like, I guess he thought they were friends. and We don't have close friendships like yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, and this is very obviously to her funeral. So at this point, he's still considered the strong suspect. Because Rodney didn't come on their radar until like April of the following year. Right. It's 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. So both Jimmy and Rodney took polygraph tests about Stacy's murder. I couldn't find anything about Rodney's results, but I did see on numerous sites that Jimmy Fennell failed two separate polygraph tests, one on October 3rd of 1996, the year she died, and another on December 18th of that year. Notes from the examiner say, quote, reported deceptive finding related to relevant questions, end quote specifically the questions about whether or not he had strangled Stacy Stites. Wow. 
as you might expect, Jimmy explained this away, saying that he was just so distraught over her death that that's why his results were not accurate. We know that they are not accurate, period. But. Yeah, they're not <laughs> accurate, but like, I don't know. I've never taken one, nor would I ever take one. But I would take one for fun. Oh yeah, maybe like I was watching Flavor of Love the other day, oh, and what a good life you lead, <laughs> and which is crazy. But they, the episode where Bridget gave Flav's girls the polygraph, and they were all freaking out about it. And I was like, I kind of want someone should give me one just for like fun, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. like if I'm in a criminal situation. Yeah, of course. So earlier, I told you that Stacy left home for work at the Bastrop HEB on the morning of April twenty third, nineteen ninety six. But how do we know that? The, I was just going to say. Yeah. Like, according to who? The entire timeline of events comes from the statement of one man. Who? Jimmy. Jimmy. Her fiance, Jimmy Finnell. Carol, Stacy's mother, also testified that Jimmy said he was planning on driving Stacy to work that day. Er. But Jimmy told police Stacy left when he was asleep and decided to drive herself in his truck. How unusual is that? Does she have her own car? I don't know. She's 19. It's the yeah, 90s. Okay. Yeah, they probably share. They probably live in a small town. Yeah, and he drives his cop car most of the time. Oh, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Okay, but how convenient. How convenient. Why did she decide to drive herself? Was there a fight, sir? Hmm. I think it's weird to even state that he had plans to drive her. You should just. He didn't say that. The mom did. She said, oh. "Stacy's mom. They lived in the same." Like, they lived above her. I think they lived in an apartment. What? So Stacy's mom was like, well, Jimmy was supposed to drive her to work today. But then Jimmy's like, yeah, but she ended up driving herself. She left and I was asleep. So it's not what? like he volunteered that information. Because that would be even weirder. Oh, man, he's so suspect. Yeah. So you guys might be familiar with the A&E show Dead Again. I wasn't, but it has three retired detectives on it who reinvestigate old murder cases. Have you seen it? No. I haven't, but now I really want to watch it. I don't know if it's still a thing, but according to an article in The Intercept, quote, the team approaches the cold cases not knowing what the original police investigators concluded or who was arrested and prosecuted in the end. So cool. Yeah. Sometimes the three detectives come to the same conclusion, and sometimes they don't. In 2014, Detective Gannon, a retired sergeant with the New York Police Department, was one of the detectives on the show. In October of that year, they looked at the murder of Stacey Stites. Gannon and the team of forensic experts think that the state got two key things very wrong. The timeline of events and where the murder took place. He thinks that Stacey was killed much earlier, at least four hours earlier, and that she was likely killed elsewhere and her body was just dumped at the site it was found. So, did Stacy Stites really wake up and leave the apartment she shared with her fiancé on the morning of April 23rd to drive to HEB for work? That entire timeline is based off of Jimmy's statements. By his own admissions, if that's what happened, then he was the person last known to see her alive before she was murdered. Jimmy testified that the last time he saw her was the evening of April 22nd. He said that she went to bed before he did and that he did not wake up when her alarm went off or when she left for work. He said that he only knew Stacy would have left around 3 that morning because her shift was at 3.30, but he did not see her leave or hear her leave. How convenient is that? Yeah. I wake up at every type right? of noise. Well, not just me, but... Yeah. Friends and neighbors were not able to confirm nor dispute Jimmy's air quotes alibi about being home on the evening of April 22nd or on the morning of April 23rd. Of course it is. Yeah. Freaking middle of the night. 
but Jimmy's best friend at the time was an officer with the Bastrop Sheriff's Department named Curtis Davis. And he said that Jimmy's story about where he was and what he was doing on April 22nd is inconsistent. <gasps> His best friend? Yeah. According to Curtis, Jimmy told him that he was out drinking that night. However, in his official statements, he said that he and Stacy were alone in their apartment on the night of the 22nd. Why would you even lie about that? Yeah. which because oh, he murdered someone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> we know now, based off this time frame, that people believe Stacy was killed before, like, at, not around 3 o'clock in the morning on April 23rd, but as early as four hours before that. Yeah. So he said that night they were alone together in their apartment, which means he was with her at the time it is now believed she actually died. Yeah. So, you know who does have an alibi, though? <gasps> Rodney? Rodney Reed has an alibi. How did this happen? Say more. But before we get to the alibi, let's just talk about the people who can confirm Rodney's account of things. So there were 10 people who were willing to testify either by trial or by affidavit of their knowledge of Stacy and Rodney's relationship. Oh my gosh, really? So he's this whole consensual sex thing seems legitimate. A defense attorney said, quote, everyone knew. The people who worked with her knew. They confirmed it unofficially, but no one would just come out with it because we are talking about a white woman who was having sex with a black man in Bastrop, and then she's dead. Wow. But there's no question that they knew about it. And oh my gosh! So really, it is just that racially tense. I guess in nineteen in the nineties. I don't know anything. I don't know how small Bastrop is. I know like East Texas is still pretty racist right now. Sorry if you guys are from East Texas listening to this. For sure, your heart is pure. Yeah, you not that. It's way. not you guys, but um. So I don't know how. I don't know how small, but you know, small towns tend to be the more yeah. backwards thinking. Sorry again if you're from a small town. <laughs> so. But defense attorneys during the trial, so not the same guy who said that everybody knew, but his his legal team at the time of the trial only called two of those ten witnesses. What? 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 Is, There's wait. a reason, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Someone they didn't call was Rodney's cousin, Chris Aldridge. He was willing to testify to his knowledge of Rodney's and Stacey's relationship, that he saw them together that he even met her more than once. But not just that. He could also provide an alibi for Rodney on the night of or the morning of that Stacy was murdered. He said, quote, We was at the Bastrop Community Center near Reed's family's house because we had to go to work the next morning. I was with him until about 3 or 4 a.m. Then I went home, took a shower, ate something, and walked to Rodney's house, and then we walked to work. End quote. The two were working to remodel a store in town, and Rodney said that the person supervising that remodeling job could also provide an alibi for him, but that person was never called to testify either. Chris said he showed up at court but was told that he wasn't needed. Other people, not just family or friends of Rodney's, knew he was dating Stacy and provided affidavits attesting to that knowledge, including a friend of Stacy's named Ronnie, who told investigators in 1997 that shortly before her death, she said that she was having problems with Jimmy and that he had a, quote, violent temper. Ronnie's testimony wasn't pursued either, and he was never asked to participate in the trial. When the defense team was later questioned about why all of these witnesses weren't used, they said it was a strategic one, that all of the individuals that they didn't call in had criminal associations and they didn't want to then associate Rodney with other criminal activity because it would have been damning to his character. Yeah, but an alibi is an alibi and multiple corroborated Yeah, like alibi. 10 people 
we've talked about in other episodes how once someone has a criminal history that for whatever reason they lose their credibility in a courtroom and they're considered to not be good witnesses. But one witness they did call, they believed was scared out of testifying by the local law enforcement. Her story about her knowledge of Rodney's and Stacy's relationship changed significantly. She owned a bar in town and it has been suggested that she was told she would regret it or pay for it if she testified. So her story changed a lot, but she still did testify. Then, shortly after, she was reportedly arrested for a DWI. Oh, hot day. There is no documentation that the defense attorneys ever expressed concern that the witnesses were being threatened, though. Investigators never asked for a detailed account of what the couple was doing on the night of the 22nd when they were home alone, leading up to her disappearance. Oh, yeah, that's a guaranteed way yeah. to catch you in a lie, but it's probably because he's a police officer, Yeah, right? but... And, they lived in Giddings, I believe, where he was a cop. Oh, so but, anybody that responded would probably be a cop yeah, they knew. Unless Basher just police just went over like the twenty miles or so. But still they they were obviously gonna like work together, you know, agencies mm-hmm. communicate. So they didn't even search the pair's apartment. Say what? Despite it being the last known place Stacy was alive. Reportedly, a search warrant for their apartment was never even requested because the investigators said that they lacked air quotes, probable cause, which is something other law enforcement who have looked at it since then thinks is freaking Logan. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's because the last place she was seen. It's standard procedure, they said, to check the last known place somebody was seen. That they, of course you would have asked for, like, you that you have probable, that's your probable cause. Like, this was the last known place she was alive. This has, like, Tom Brown. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Written all over it. Furthermore, after this went down, they released Jimmy's truck back to him, speaking of Tom Brown, Brown in less than a week after she was murdered, and he reportedly immediately traded it in. Oh, no. Which, I would probably do that whether I was guilty or not, like, if my significant other was abducted from my vehicle or that vehicle, you know, I probably wouldn't want it, but, like, they, at this point, he is the prime suspect. You Mm. released key evidence to a suspect? suspect? But the other thing that freaks me out, well, he's a cop, so he knows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like he has a, an, another vehicle. It's not like yeah. he needs to immediately get And who cares if you need it? Like, shouldn't you want, if your fiancé was murdered, shouldn't you want whatever to be done to f- bring That's them to I mean. justice? So, like, okay, borrow another car. Like, yeah. buy another car. Are you sure about Make it work. Me? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like Don't you think you need it? Yeah. So, because of this... Rodney's defense attorneys were never given the opportunity to confirm any test results or conduct any of their own forensics investigations on the truck because Rodney wasn't identified as a suspect till a year later. And six days after the murder, Jimmy had the truck back in his possession. So Jimmy's testimony is that he was alone with Stacy the night before she was murdered, right? And that she left for work. He was asleep. He never woke up. She just drove herself in his truck. Yeah. And then... The truck was found abandoned, and then Stacy was found murdered, and then, like, all this stuff happens for, like, a year, and then a year later they get Rodney, and then you can't confirm anything else because it was before. Yeah. So, and it's all based off of Jimmy's, who at the time this happened was the prime suspect, all off of his account. So how do we know that she really did any of that? And what if she was already dead before that 3 a.m. timeline, which... Now, that's what it looks like because they're saying four hours prior. Yeah. So, 
we're going to deviate just a little bit from this case to tell you something that happened more than a decade after Stacy was murdered, Ooh. but that is still very much related. Well, I want to guess, but then I don't want to guess. In October of 2007, a 20-year-old woman named Connie Lear got into a screaming match with her boyfriend in the parking lot of her friend's apartment complex. Okay. The cops were called, and eventually officers took her boyfriend off. Not to detain him, but apparently just in an effort to de-escalate the situation. And an officer stayed behind with Connie. That officer was Jimmy Fennell. No. Connie was admittedly upset and feared that her boyfriend was going to be arrested, so she made a big fuss until Officer Fennell agreed to take her to him. But that's not what happened. Instead, Jimmy drove them to a public recreation area where he first seemingly tried to frighten and intimidate Connie with his department-issued weapons. Connie said, quote, Then he took his gun, removed it, and laid it on the trunk against my head, and then he raped me, end quote. He threatened her after the rape and told her that if she ever dared to report what happened, and especially if he ever received any consequences for what happened, that he would hunt her down and he would kill her. This is the type of police officer he is? Yeah. And this is 11 and a half years-ish after Stacy. Wow. So who knows what else happened in those 11 years. Connie, rightfully so, was terrified. But nevertheless, she called 911 and reported the assault. I'm so proud of Connie. Oh, but it gets worse. So according to an article from The Intercept, quote, before the ambulance arrived, Fennell returned and brought along other officers. Holy moly. She ran, but they caught up with her, taking her phone and forcing her into a police car. Oh my God. There, she says, she was told to face the in-car camera and say that she made up the whole story about Fennell's attack. And she did. She was then taken to jail for public intoxication. Are you freaking kidding me? Despite his attempt to cover up his crime, Fennell was eventually arrested and ultimately pleaded guilty to kidnapping and improper sexual contact with a person in custody. He served... What? That's a crime? It should just be rape. Yeah. He... Well, I think it was a plea deal. So, so he received a 10-year sentence, end quote. So after Connie came forward, several other women had stories of threats being made, assaults taking place, and another woman also said that Jimmy raped her too. One witness claimed to have seen Jimmy's wife with bruises on her face at some point. According to that same article from The Intercept, quote, these episodes had either never been reported or else were swept under the rug by local law enforcement. Together, these incidents revealed a portrait of Fennell as a dangerous man who abused his police credentials with impunity, end quote. Jimmy Fennell was paroled in March of 2018. Ew. Yeah, so he's a free man. Oh. Disgusting. So he was just out here raping all the ladies. Or threatening them. He was just like trying to intimidate people with his... And he clearly had a like a... Like a routine where his little cop friends would come and, yes, I, like, and reinforce whatever it was that he was poor, doing. She called the cops even though he just threatened her. And then he comes back with his buddies and they tell her to say that she made it up. And then they arrested her? Like, Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. They're trying to, you know, arrest her. And she didn't her like, her name wasn't released for a really long time out of fear. But then when all of this Rodney Reed stuff started going down. She was like, no, no, like somebody needs to know the kind of person that he is. So she told her story and like attached her name and everything so to it. So much respect for Connie. On one of the Rodney Reed's Facebook pages, there's pictures of Connie and Rodney's mom together. So like she's... She's all for her. She, yeah, she knows that 
Jimmy is not the person they're trying to say he is. And I mean, everybody else knows this now too, because he did 10 years in jail, but not, I guess not everybody is on team exonerate Rodney, but Connie is. So let's talk about evidence or lack thereof. I told you earlier that there was no physical evidence linking Rodney to the murder except for semen. The state has no eyewitnesses to back up their theory that somehow Rodney accosted Stacy on her way to work and then proceeded to rape, strangle, and dump her body. The majority of the fingerprints in or on the truck were matched to Stacy and Jimmy, but there were also two latent prints. We talked about the different types of fingerprints in one of our really early episodes, but I don't remember which one, so y'all probably don't either. <laughs> Basically, there are three kinds, latent, patent, and plastic. Latent prints are made from sweat or oil on the skin, and they're invisible to the naked eye. Some sort of processing has to be done in order to reveal them. Patent prints are made by the finger being in, like, blood, grease, ink, dirt, something like that, and then they are visible without powder. You can just see them. And then plastic ones are a 3D impression if your finger were to be pressed into, like, a paint or a wax or something. And those are also visible without processing. But there were two latent prints on the truck, so the invisible ones, that police were never able to match to anybody. Not Stacy or Jimmy or Rodney Reed. Mm. No fingerprints were found on the murder weapon, Stacy's braided leather belt, or on her plastic HEB name tag that was found with her body. The murder weapon, aka the belt, was never tested for DNA. I can't with these police officers. Requests for DNA testing of the crime scene evidence, including the belt, were repeatedly denied by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Well, the perpetrator would have had to have his hands all over that yeah. and his sweat all yeah. over that. In four two, minutes it takes to strangle. Yeah. Oh, really? It takes four minutes? Jeez. In, I should know that. I'm yeah. <laughs> In 2018, the United States Supreme Court declined to review the Texas court's decision about denying the DNA testing. The original medical examiner's opinion was that the sperm was recent and could not have been from a day or so prior to her death. However, that same doctor later changed his opinion and said it could have been from a few days before she was killed and that the injuries she sustained may have been caused by an object such as a baton. So, immediately, my mind went to the autopsy report. There were no fresh injuries. That's verbatim from the medical examiner's report that vaginally that she had no fresh injuries, but that she did sustain injuries anally. She and Rodney had, according to Rodney, consensual vaginal intercourse. There wasn't tearing, bruising, or whatever a longitudinal linear abrasion is there which seems consistent with a consensual encounter, right? Yeah. The forceful penetration injuries were from the sodomization, and there was no sperm present there. I mean, I'm not a forensic expert or a detective or a doctor, but this doesn't make sense to me. So why would it be a forceful penetration? I mean, I kind of know why. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) why is it, like, there's, there's sperm vaginally, and that seems to be no injuries. And then something aggressively happened, and there's no semen there. So it was if, – if it was the same encounter, why would semen be left in one spot and no DNA be left in the other spot? Yeah. So, like, unless it was an object. Yeah. So, like, vaginally it seems to be a person yeah. because there's semen. But anally it seems to be an yeah. object. And one thing caused injuries, or one location has injuries, the other doesn't. So are they the same thing? Yeah. So, I don't know. To me, all of this is, the science vaginally is, doesn't seem like a non-oppositional experience, you know? It seems like willing. Yeah, yeah. 
but I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sure it's possible to be raped without having bruising and tearing and things like that. So yeah, but I, but I feel like I don't know. I guess I've seen like the little forensic yeah. shows or whatever when they can like it doesn't seem consistent with rape. Yeah, you yeah. don't have a yeah. bunch of bruising. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. As you know, the truck was returned to Jimmy, the prime suspect at the time, less than a week after the murder, and so by the time Rodney was identified as a suspect, it was long gone. His defense team was not able to conduct any testing on the vehicle. There's a change.org petition about this case, and part of the description reads, quote, three renowned medical examiners have concluded it is, quote, unquote, medically impossible for Stacy Seitz to have been killed at the time the state says she died. This alone exonerates Rodney Reed. Reed was convicted based on forensic expert testimony that has now been recanted by the scientists and agencies that offered the evidence on behalf of the state. In fact, leading forensic pathologists have concluded that it would be medically and scientifically impossible for Rodney Reed to have murdered Stacy Seitz. This new forensic evidence, which the state hasn't contradicted, indicates that Stacy was murdered at a time that her fiancé, local police officer Jimmy Fennell, testified that he was alone with Seitz in their apartment, end quote. So the people who said the timeline and the sperm timeline have since said, no, it was probably from hours earlier. And hours earlier, Jimmy admitted he was alone with her. Yeah. So. I'm wondering, I'm just like. Like, if that timeline, if it stayed the same, then yeah, we we could not prove or deny Jimmy's whatever. But he said it was, he was with her that night. Mm -hmm. She got up at three and left. And now they're saying the time she died would have been when he said she was asleep, quote unquote. Yeah. All signs point to Jimmy. I know. The Innocence Project, we talked about the invaluable work they do in our episode about the murder of Sharon Cox in Washington State nearly 20 years ago. But according to the Innocence Project of Texas webpage, quote, wrongful convictions devastate lives and families all over Texas, and fighting a wrongful conviction case can be nearly impossible. Innocence Texas provides free, first-class investigative and legal services to indigent prisoners serving time for crimes they did not commit, end quote. Well, the Innocence Project of Texas is working to try and stop Rodney Reed's execution. Their petition for him says that the state's three key witnesses, forensic experts, have admitted to errors in their own original testimony, which directly led to Rodney's conviction and death sentence. Those experts have submitted affidavits that the original time concluded was inaccurate, which makes the timeline of when Rodney would have allegedly had time to kill Stacy unlikely. So it's not like new experts coming back and saying they're wrong. It's, it's the, the same, same experts saying like, that they were wrong. And so much has changed in forensic science even since the time of the murder, so yeah. like, it should be considered. Yeah. The next few sentences come from the Innocence Project's website, again, about Rodney. Quote, renowned forensic pathologist Michael Baden testified at the hearing last fall that the condition of Stites' body rendered the state's theory of Reed's guilt impossible. When the state argued Stacy was killed between 3 and 5 a.m. on April 23, 1996, the evidence showed that Stites was actually killed before midnight on April 22nd, during the time Fennell testified he was with Stites in their apartment. Baden's testimony was corroborated by two other leading experts and uncontradicted by the state. They say that, quote, this now-recanted expert testimony provided a crucial link between Reed's DNA and the murder that was used to refute Reed's long-maintained insistence that he is innocent of the crime but was involved in a consensual sexual relationship with Stites, end quote. So now all of the science, and you can't fight science, all of the science is saying she didn't die when they said she died and that the sperm could have been from earlier. I think he said that they had sex the evening of the 21st, so it was like barely over 24 hours. Yeah. And 23rd when she was found but like now they're saying it is possible yeah. so like all of the science which is 
freaking science says, like, I mean, I don't know how much science <laughs> like, says we'll that, it again, science. Yeah, that it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Rodney Reed has been on death row in Texas for the past 21 years. Oh, Rodney. Though his execution date has been moved in the past, he has been trying to appeal his conviction basically the whole time. At the time of this recording, he is just weeks away from being executed, and all of his appeals have been denied. Additionally, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has refused to grant Rodney clemency. In 2015, extensive media coverage and a documentary on his case got a stay order on his execution. In January of 2018, a judge recommended that his request for a new trial be denied. This past summer, a judge scheduled Rodney's execution for November 20th, 2019. In August, Rodney's legal team filed a federal civil rights lawsuit arguing that proceeding with Rodney's execution is a violation of his constitutional rights. So I told you earlier that they asked the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene, but they declined to review the case. But what they did say is going to piss you off, because it pisses me off, and I think you shall agree. They ruled that people do not have a constitutional right to DNA testing. So, like, you, there could be evidence sitting somewhere that completely proves your innocence. And the Supreme Court says you don't have a right to have evidence tested on your behalf. That's in a such crime. a confusing... Because they use they tested things in order to convict him. So yeah. why don't... If I have a right to a fair trial, why the don't I... The state's just saying you... Yeah, <laughs> I think that that's a part of a fair trial, which we have a constitutional right to a fair trial. And the Supreme Court said you don't have a constitutional right to DNA testing. So I think you should be able to use it at all. Yeah, if you can't, if you, if you can't, can't use get everything tested, yeah, yeah, then if you can't then, use DNA to prove your innocence, then they shouldn't be able to use DNA to prove your guilt. So yeah, that's, that's I was like, annoying. this is just ridiculous to me because why would we chance executing an innocent person when a test could be done to prove their innocence? Like, I wouldn't want that on my conscience. And Texas judges have already ruled that Rodney's legal team will not be able to test that belt and other items. Oh which means it's only up to the federal courts or the Texas governor to do something. But Gosh. it's unlikely that the federal courts will intervene because they rarely do in matters of DNA testing. But God. if they were to test it and the DNA present on the belt is not a match for Rodney, his team could request a new trial or ask the governor to commute his sentence. But the governor also has the authority to just commute it without the DNA testing. But that's unlikely yeah. because since becoming governor in January of 2015, Greg Abbott has overseen almost 50 executions. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, don't, I don't care how you feel about the death penalty. Regardless of if you are for it or against it, you should always be against executing an innocent person. Yeah. So I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that Rodney's innocent, though. I'm saying that all of the evidence should be tested before we kill him. Yeah. And so, you've had 21 years yeah. to test it. Jeez Louise. He's already spent over two decades on death row and... What if he's innocent? What if sitting in some evidence room is a belt that could prove that he's innocent? That's time he will never get back. And what if he dies? Gosh. And he didn't do it. This brings me back to the whole idea that this probably happens so freaking often. Especially because a lot of what DNA testing was before is totally refined yeah. now. Like, you can't convict somebody off the hair Science. evidence now unless you have the root. And, like, yeah. how many people are convicted off hair yeah. evidence? I don't know. I can't sleep at night if I yeah. try to think about it. I don't it. know. So is Texas just prepared to never find out and just proceed, like, just live forever, like, blissful ignorance, just live forever not knowing if Rodney Reed killed Stacey Stites, but then killing Rodney Reed for killing Stacey Stites? Gosh. I mentioned earlier 
that Dr. Phil and Kim Kardashian, individually, not together, have made... (laughs) Good to clarify. ...have made public statements about the case. Dr. Phil went to see Rodney in prison and interviewed him, and their interview aired just a few weeks ago on October 10th. And to my knowledge, that's what really started this momentum picking up again. And when asked if he felt that Rodney Reed received a fair trial, Dr. Phil responded, hell no. On the Dr. Phil episode, he, along with a team of experts, discussed different theories that suggest Rodney is innocent. In the past, there were some documentaries or TV episodes also telling Rodney's story. Kim Kardashian tweeted, quote, Please, at Gov Abbott, how can you execute a man when since his trial, substantial evidence that would exonerate Rodney Reed has come forward and even implicates the other person of interest? I urge you to do the right thing, end quote. Okay. But a few days ago, she retweeted several things about Rodney Reed. She said, quote, After watching the movie, I opened up my computer and opened my email about a case I had been recently investigating at Free Rodney Reed. I have been hearing about him and his story for the last week. On November 20th, Texas will execute Rodney Reed. I believe he is innocent, end quote. Nearly a dozen people related to Stacey Seitz, so friends or relatives, have come forward expressing their doubt about the case, and they want to stop the execution too. Stacy's cousin, Judy Mitchell, believes Jimmy Finnell is actually who killed Stacy more than two decades ago. She said in an interview with The Intercept, quote, I just know he did it. We've got to do something to stop this execution, end quote. So here's what we can do. Rodney's guilt is in question, and executing him without evaluating that information and evidence that has come out since his conviction is wrong. Whether Rodney Reed killed Stacy Stites remains to be seen, but he shouldn't be killed before his guilt is proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's what we have right now, reasonable doubt. And gross miscarriages of justice impact all of us, because who is next? Where do we draw the line? If a person can be executed without even really considering all the evidence and information, then anybody can be executed without a fair trial, and we are all at risk. Remember, the Supreme Court said that we don't have a constitutional right to DNA testing. Isn't that scary? Like, that's part of a fair trial. If it exists, test it. And they're saying you don't have to. Like, doesn't that scare you? Because it scares me. So we need to stay this execution which means at least temporarily suspended while the evidence gets evaluated. So please contact Bastrop DA Brian Gertz and ask him to test the evidence and give Rodney Reed a new fair trial. His number is 512-581-7125. You can also reach out to Texas Governor Greg Abbott and ask him to intervene and stop this execution. If you truly believe Rodney is innocent, then you can ask him for an exoneration. But at the very least, the execution should be halted until all of the evidence has been reviewed, and then, if necessary, Rodney can receive a new trial. The number for the main switchboard for the governor's office is 512-463-2000, but he's also on Twitter using the handle at GovAbbott. What do you mean now? If you have any information about the murder of Stacey Stites, please come forward you could save somebody's life. At the time of this recording, Rodney Reed's execution is scheduled for November 20th. This episode is set to air on November 8th. We have 12 days. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. 
If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any social media or streaming platforms available.